After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, here to break down the Tigers system with you today. Joining us is Justin Coleman, who did the top 10 Tigers prospects for us here at BA this year. Justin, before we jump into the system, we have to talk about where the Major League team is at. Uh, the 2019 Tigers went 47-114. and Now, just to put that in perspective, the Tigers franchise has been around for 119 seasons. This was the second worst season in terms of both losses and win-loss percentage in the franchise's history. They were 53 and a half games out of first place, the farthest back they've ever been from the top of the division. By any measure, this was one of the two worst seasons in the more than 100 seasons of Tigers baseball. Given that, even though, again, they, they have a farm system we're going to jump into Given where they're starting from, this still feels like this is going to be a, a many, many year process. It, it didn't feel like this was a year where, okay, you know, there's something to build from and then they'll go and take another jump next year. This feels like they're still at the bottom. It's going to be three, four, maybe even five years before they're competitive again. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head. I think they're just they're just far away right now. I think at the big league level, what you're seeing is, you know, I, I think they're really trying to clear out some of the payroll, things like Miguel, uh, situations like Miguel Cabrera have to kind of become settled. But I think as well, um, you know, their pitching, I think, has, has let them down. I think there's kind of some names in that rotation that could have been better for them. They kind of uh, took steps sideways. They didn't kind of uh, take any steps forward last year. I think their offense was just absolutely anemic. It's tough to win when you really just can't score whatsoever. You can't get any momentum going. And I think that was a, a big part of their struggle. You know, I think they don't have many impact players at the big league level. They're certainly cognizant of that. And for that reason, they've, uh, you know, sincerely dedicated all their time and, and efforts to uh, the draft, to pro scouting, and as you mentioned, to player development. And it's going to be a, a multi-year process. It could be three, four years down the road. But uh, obviously their, their farm system has has some interesting pieces, and so we'll see how that uh, plays out over the years to come. We saw them trade Nicholas Castellanos at the deadline. We saw them trade <clears throat> Green at the deadline, making moves to add more prospects to the organization. The one thing that interests me is if you look at the Tigers where you could say, okay, there is a little bit of a building block at the Major League level, is in the starting rotation. Uh, Matthew Boyd had a great start to the season, really fell off, but there's still something to work with there. Spencer Turnbull had a, a very fine season as well. Um, Daniel Norris as well. None of these guys are studs, but all show that they're solid major league starters who can take the ball 30 times a year and, you know, keep you in games, if not dominate them. And that is something for them to build on. The thing for me, when I look at the big picture that is slightly concerning and why I think it's going to take so long, why this isn't a team that's two years away, three years away, it might be closer to four five or six. They have some building blocks on the pitching side. 
most of their top prospects who will be there to help them within the next year or two are also on the pitching side. This offense, as you mentioned, was by many, many measures the worst in baseball last year. There's not a lot in the upper levels come to supplement it. And even in the lower levels, there's not a ton of guys you feel like you can really bank on. How far away is this offense from being competitive? Because I think that's the kicker here. I think you can make the argument that if the Tigers get their top three prospects up next year, Matt, uh, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal, all of which can happen, all of a sudden they might have a, a pretty competitive starting rotation by 2021 or so. It's the offense that it doesn't seem like there's many building blocks to work with and in the system or at the major league level. Yeah, I think with the position guys in particular, you know, there are, there are some talented pieces. Yeah, the problem is that they're just way too far away. You know, you wouldn't push their development. You don't want to challenge them and maybe mess up that development curve. Uh, you know, one guy I think that could be impactful at the big league level is Isaac Paredes. But Isaac is a such where you know, there's body concerns. I think there's concerns surrounding his defense. It's really going to limit his value. And I think when you talk about, if you just look at their their current schematic of their position guys right now on their depth chart, um, there's just a lot of holes to fill. You know, there's guys where, you know, you can say even a guy like Christian Stewart, uh, you know, I know that they like his power, but at the end of the day, you know, when you develop a winning ball club, uh, you know, there's, there's guys on here that are maybe one or two dimensional. You're going to need more than that. And so I think uh, for them, as, as you mentioned, it's an interesting position to be in because their starting rotation is actually not bad. Those names are definitely not bad at all. You know, those are guys that can take the ball, uh, eat up some innings, and they're going to be competitive. The problem is just scoring runs. And to be honest, there's, there's not much there at the upper levels that's going to be impactful anytime soon offensively. So it makes you wonder, uh, you know, what, what are they going to have to do kind of moving down the road? Are they going to have to kind of facilitate some trades to really uh, get this rebuild, uh, you know, headed in the right direction? Uh, and, and again, in particular, not to even close off any time, but I think to make it more feasible, right? I, th I think uh, organizationally, if you call up all these pitchers and they all pitch well, and then you have some of these other guys in the rotation, uh, you know, you, there, there does come a time where you say to yourself, well, look, if we do draft, uh, you know, offensive minded players, it's still going to kick the can down the road. You still have to try and develop them. So at some point in time, the pitching has to have some kind of meeting and fusion with the hitting offensively. And in order for that to happen, there might have to be some external moves here at play in order to fill that many spots on the big league roster. Yeah, I was talking to someone uh, who uh, has a lot of sources inside the Tigers organization, and this person covers the organization pretty, pretty closely. And he talked about the truth is, and he said, you know, even the Tigers know it. There's one position player they have currently that they think, you know, realistically has any future as a, you know, big leaguer on even a semi-competitive team. And he felt that was Kristen Stewart. Mm. That would be in more of a part-time role. Yes. I will say Victor Reyes, who was the top Rule 5 pick a few years ago, mm -hmm. quietly has a solid year. Uh, I've been a Victor Reyes fan for a little bit. I think he's shown that he has a future on this club and in the major leagues as well. But when you've got, you know, essentially 12 to 13 position players at any given time, plus all the depth guys you pulled up, and only two of them really have a future in the major leagues as even, you know, more than up and down players, right. that's a pretty big hill to climb. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Isaac Paredes is, is their top uh, position player prospect in the upper levels. He's kind of a cusp of the top 100 guy. Some people say mm -hmm. maybe, most people say no. 
Um, and you go back down the, you know, for a down list, Daz Cameron, another guy people see is okay, not great. seems like they're going to have to get some impact position players. Now they do have the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft. And there are a lot of top flight college position players who theoretically could move quickly. And that would be one key, key potential piece. But I almost wonder if it would make sense for them. I'd be curious to see the Tigers make a prospect for prospect deal, trade one or two of the really good pitching prospects for potentially a, a really good, you know, offensive prospect, um, whether that's, you know, an upper level outfielder, uh, an upper level infielder. I could kind of see that trade being something that would help the organization because it feels like they do have pitching to spare, not just in the majors if they wanted to, you know, trade Matt Boyd and, and get something for him, but even on the prospect side, I feel like a prospect for prospect trade for a position player or two might not be the worst idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Uh, you know, as you said, I mean, if 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 we're you know if we're playing honesty hour and Christian Stewart is the guy that's going to have major league value down the road, then that still leaves you with so many areas that you need to improve upon in order for this club to be you know halfway decent and to kind of get headed in the right direction. And considering where the rotation is right now, you talk about Boyd and Turnbull, it it makes sense that you could definitely look down the road and say, hey, look. We're, we're stacked with arms. We have enough where we can make a prospect for prospect deal, bring back a, you know, a guy who could be an everyday position player, you know, someone who's in the upper minors, hopefully. And so that way you can kind of uh, quickly fill some of these holes and that way you don't have to kind of go through a free agency and, and whatever other means you have to in order to, in order to fill those spots. So I think, uh, I think it's, a, it's a good idea and I think it's something that they're going to have to consider down the road. So let's go down this farm system. We mentioned there are a lot of arms here that are very, very promising, which you you know combine with some of the arms at the big league level, and you can see the makings of a pretty promising rotation. Casey Mize, who is the number one overall pick in 2018, the Tigers' number one prospect last year, is again the Tigers' number one prospect this year. He advanced to double-A in his first full season. Uh, really, really impressed early in the year, and that was kind of capped with a, a no-hitter in his uh, first start in double-A. And... After that, though, he went down with soreness in his right shoulder, came back a month later, and was nowhere near as effective, uh, and ultimately was shut down for the season. Mm. What do you make of Casey Mize? Because the talent has always been extremely evident. No one has ever questioned his ability. What has long been questioned is his durability. Um, he had some injury issues in college. Uh, I remember talking to a couple of teams leading into the draft who said, you know, he's the number one prospect in this class on talent. Mm -hmm. I'm scared of the medical. I remember that coming up a couple of times. Uh, and now we, we, his shoulder was barking a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a flexor strain in college, which, you know, is also uh, an injury that can be a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of assess him? Because, because again, no one doubts the talent. But you also have to be able to take the ball, you know, 28, 30, 32 times a year to really be a front of the rotation type starter. And it it's, doesn't seem like it's clear he'll be able to do that at this point. Yeah, I think Tigers people, uh, you know, like you said, there's no one that questions this guy's talent. You know, I mean, it's plus stuff across the board. Uh, you know, the control is, is above average. Uh, I think organizationally, they're still trying to navigate this. You know, I think... He's a guy that now all of a sudden you look back at his amateur record, like you said, there's an injury history there. You now go into his brief time at the pro level. There's an injury history there. Uh, it's, it's tough because when you talk about a starting pitcher, you know, you want the guy to take the ball 30 times. You'd like to ideally pencil him in for 180 to 200 plus innings. You know, um, the goal is to obviously make it to the postseason. If you do that, you're going to be building on 200 plus innings a year. 
And uh, I think if you're, you're Detroit, you know, you're, you're taking a hard look at this and you're trying to figure out exactly what to do. Um, it, it, it makes you wonder, um, you know, what, what could his future look like? Again, the stuff is fantastic. Um, if, you know, he can't get the, the injury bug fixed, at, fixed and figured out, uh, you know, is, is there a potentially different role for him down the road? Uh, you know, that I don't know. I know that Detroit's people don't think so. I think they're all in on him still being a starting pitcher. And it's understandable. But again, I think now that you've seen more and more of the injury history come up with him, uh, it's certainly something that they're going to watch. And again, they're in an advantageous spot. They don't necessarily have to push him. I know he's extremely talented. But I think, uh, you know, they need to get more reps. And in particular, I think they need to iron out his delivery. I know that there's some questions surrounding his, his arm action, his delivery, and things of that nature. And so I wonder, with more uh, time and effort spent uh, in that area, will he be able to uh, ultimately improve and, and kind of avoid the injured list? So, uh, you know, time will tell. But again, I think, uh, I think it's, it's a really reasonable question. It's very fair. Uh, and so we'll have to see. You know, I guess another pitcher, you, you don't know. It's the arms, the commodity. So we'll have to see. And I think this would be the argument for maybe not making a prospect pro for prospect trade pitchers for position players is you need as many pitchers as you can, because if you, you know, the old rules, if you have five of them, one of them is going to make it as a starter. So maybe uh, you keep as many as you can with Mize. And you mentioned this, I don't think anyone questions he's a starter and potentially a front of the rotation starter. Uh, it's just the durability questions to that end, Matt Manning, who is the number two uh, pitcher uh, on your or number two player, I should say, on your Tigers top 10, also reached double A this year, uh, has, you know, been a guy for a while as a first round pick back in 2016, just continued to grow and get stronger and, and really come into his own as a pitcher, uh, as a former basketball player, son of an NBA player. So uh, the athleticism was there and he's really starting to translate it into results. How much debate was there in discussing this with, with evaluators, both inside and outside the organization, Mize versus Manning at number one? Was it a clear cut Mize is number one, Manning is number two, or was it close? Um, you know, I, I think for me, just on paper, I would have said it was close. I think in talking to evaluators, they still feel like uh, Mize is number one, just due to, I think some of that has to do to is due just to the pedigree, uh, the recent draft pedigree. But again, I think when, when you talk about Manning in particular, you're talking about a guy that is absolutely built for innings, right? This guy has the body in the frame that is built for innings. You can pack the innings on. Uh, it's three-plus pitches now. This year he's really improved upon his feel to throw a changeup. I think he has more conviction and more confidence with the pitch. He's getting more swings and misses with it, which has helped him to not only uh, you know curtail right-handers, but also left-handers as well. And I think it's, uh, it's really vaulted him up this Tigers list. You know, I think, again, when you talk about Manning, um, <clears throat> there's more talk of him being more like a, a mid-rotation type. Whereas with Mize, you know, that, that high ceiling, I think, is probably what separates him. You know, Mize, if everything clicks and, and he gets some, some bill of health going, you're talking about a frontline ace. And, and I don't think there's much question surrounding that. I think for Mize, the more likely outcome, or for Manning, excuse me, the more likely outcome is a mid-rotation type. But I will say, though, that Manning is really trending positive as well as uh, left-hander Tariq Skubal as well. Yeah, the thing with Manning that really jumps out to me is just the innings progression. You know, first draft, he was drafted 29 innings, 
First season, 51 innings, 2018, 117 innings. Last year, 133.2 innings. You keep seeing the workload increase. Uh, the effectiveness, it, it seems to be getting more effective the more he's throwing as well. Uh, he's been getting better every year. And, you know, this was his best year, a toughest level of competition. But it just seems like he's really maturing and growing in all the right ways. And taking the steps forward, you want to see. You know, we've talked a lot about high school right-handers. It's a very hit-or-miss uh, history. But when you just kind of look at it on paper – I mean, this is this is a trajectory you want to see. This is what it looks like from a, a positive trajectory standpoint. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the prep arms, you know, that's always like an issue. It's always something that can be a little bit scary. But this guy has always had that the body and the arm strength. And now all of a sudden with the arm strength and arm speed, you're seeing his ability to really spin a plus breaking ball. You're seeing the fastball play up because of extension and angle. And as well now, like I said, he has the, the change up. So now all of a sudden you have that three pitch mix. And he's always been in and around the strike zone. So it's um, it's very realistic to expect him to have above average control as he develops. And as you said, I think those are all things that really trend positive for him. I think uh, the Tigers are extremely pleased with how his development's going. And, uh, and like I said, you know, he's a guy that's he's built for innings. He, he has the arm strength and I think the makeup to pitch at the big league level. And I don't think there's much doubt about that. And I think he's going to be a really uh, welcomed addition to the, the big league ball club. Mize number one, Manning number two. Number three was probably the biggest riser in all of the minor leagues last year. Tariq Skubal, left-handed pitcher. Now, the background here on him is interesting. So the Tigers drafted him in the ninth round in 2018. This was his first full season. He was eligible in the 2017 draft and was actually considered a potential day one draft pick. Not quite first rounder, but second rounder. Maybe he would fall to the third. Had Tommy John surgery, that kind of took him off of draft boards, let him go back to school. He was working his way back, uh, got picked up in the ninth round. First full season, jumped to double A, jumped, jumped from high to double A, and absolutely made everyone look foolish. Uh, 179 strikeouts, 37 walks in 123 innings. Uh, 196 opponent average, 101 whip, 242 ERA. Pick your favorite stat. This guy was absolutely disgusting, and that's on paper. Justin, you saw him in person, and it was it was a wow kind of appearance. Yeah, yeah. So when I saw him, he, yeah, that was that was a wow. You know, that was six innings, 13 punch outs. You know, I was scared to move because I didn't want to screw up the the good vibes that were going on. You know, he uh, he looked great. Um, and when I saw him, this is a guy that has four above average pitches. He's a very cerebral guy. He has good tempo. He knows how to set hitters up. He knows how to work to both sides of the plate. He can work you north south. Uh, he gets swings and misses on both breaking pitches. The slider is a little bit ahead of the curveball right now. But this is a guy that's, um, that has a really bright future ahead of him. You know, I think this is just, this is just the start of it. Now that he's removed from uh, Tommy John that he had when he was an amateur, and he's a couple of years removed from it now, you're starting to see that control kind of come back. It's going to mold near average. And I think, um, you know, the four pitches, the amount of swings and misses that he gets in the strike zone is extremely impressive. Again, this is another pretty big guy, six foot three, it's around 215, 220. And, uh, you know, another, another reason for them to be excited. You know, this was, this was a nice pick for them. He's really developed well. It'll be exciting to see what he does this coming year after – uh, putting up video game-like stats, uh, you know, in double-A, the amount of strikeouts that he had. And, and as you said, you can pick a stat, and he, he essentially has has a wow for you there. And, uh, you know, so for me, I think 
uh, this this is a guy that can really move move pretty quickly if if the health can can hold up for him. One of the most interesting comments I got last year, uh, just in talking to scouts, was a scout who had Tigers coverage saying that he thought Tariq Skubal goes right in with Matt Manning and Casey Mize, like same tier of you know elite level pitching prospect. Uh, in some cases, he, this particular evaluator said he'd actually sandwich those two around Skubal, go Mize, Skubal, Manning. Again, in your discussions, how close was Scooble to these top two? Was there any discussion at him at number two? Or was it pretty clear and kind of a, on a macro level that he was number three? Yeah, uh, actually, it was really close. Uh, it was very, very close. It, it was, uh, you know, it was a decision where it was like you were kind of splitting hairs. You know, do you want the guy who has probably the, the longer track record and who's been trending positive? Or do you want the guy who has had the injury history, has moved away from it, shaken off the cobwebs, and really improved drastically in a shorter amount of time? Uh, so I think for me, he was very, very close. Uh, this is a guy that I put him on that level. You know, per personally, Mize, Manning, and Scooble, they're all in that same tier. Uh, this guy here showed that to me when I saw him. And for me, the thing about Scooble as well is not just, you know, his control is fine, but to me, the mastery of the two different breaking pitches and even the feel for the changeup, I thought was was really impressive. And I think, uh, you know, this is a guy that for me deserves to be in that conversation uh, it was close, and so I think uh, you know this guy here has has the package and he has the the skill set that that you want uh, at the front of the rotation uh, down down the road. So, and just to provide a teaser: when our uh, top 100 comes out, you'll see all three of these guys are in the top half of the top 100. This is and essentially in a lot of ways close to the top third of the top 100. I mean, um, right. I just thought it was really impressive, you know, with Scooble. Sometimes you see guys really pop, but then you'll talk to some evaluators. They'll say, you know. He's good, but he's not as good as these numbers are showing, and here's why. Well, mm -hmm. everyone's like, yeah, no, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it, was, yeah. it was really, really impressive mm -hmm. uh, to, to yeah. hear. And I, I did not get a chance to see him personally. I know you did. Mm -hmm. I know Josh Norris did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the dozens of scouts we talked to throughout the year, and it didn't seem like anyone doubted it. Everyone seemed to buy into it. And now it's just him going out and proving, okay, here's year two of it. Uh, again, I think one of the biggest things will be watching him, you know, continue to build up innings. But again, he threw 122 and two-thirds innings last year. It's not like he, you know, was going from, you know, 22 <clears throat> innings to 75 innings. and He's never thrown, you know, a lot of innings. I mean, he, he went out, took the ball 24 times, threw 123 innings. It, it was pretty much a full minor league workload. And I think we could see that jump to – 150 160 this year and, and a lot of that it seems to be well not i shouldn't say a lot of it at least a part of that you, you we would imagine is probably going to come in detroit yeah i mean i i think that's really reasonable i think that's that's a good point that you bring up you know this isn't a guy you know let's just make this clear this isn't a guy that last year you know he tossed maybe 30 or 40 innings no no this guy cleared the the triple digit mark you could see this coming year he could pitch near 150 160 whatever it is and I mean, hey, if if all goes well and he's still lighting it up the way he is, it's totally reasonable that he could get some some starts down the stretch for for Detroit. That's totally reasonable. This guy is uh, more than intelligent enough, more than competitive. Uh, his field to pitch is fantastic, uh, and so I th I think that's all within reason. And you know, I, that's why I would bet on him moving forward. He's built up the innings. You know, it's not a question of hey, let's build him up to 50, then we're going to go to 75 or 80. No, no, no. This is a guy that's that's built up some innings. As you said, he took the ball roughly 20, 24 times last year, and so I think for me, it's it's really trending positive, and and I'm excited to see what he does next year. This is a guy I'm definitely going to be watching for sure. Mize, Manning, Scooble. It's it's a pretty excellent top three. I think you can make the argument. It's 
maybe the best trio of starting pitchers, starting pitching prospects in the minors. A lot of other teams have a duo, the Padres with Mackenzie Gore yes. and Luis Patino, for example. But mm-hmm. having three, that's that's pretty special. I, I don't think it'll be uh, too long before we're seeing the three of them pitch in Detroit, health allowing, of course. You mentioned these were, in a lot of ways, the clear top three. Mm-hmm. Riley Green, uh, we talked about the need for high-level position players, has a chance to be one. He was considered arguably the best prep hitter in last year's draft class. The Tigers took him fifth overall. They'd been locked on him for quite a while. Played really good competition down in Florida. I was a high school All-American. Every check mark you would want uh, from a young prep hitter, he, he seems to kind of meet that benchmark. Was there discussion for him in the top three, or was he the clear top, you know, clear number four? Just given those three pitchers have all gotten a double A, all get great scouting reports, and and just have that, you know, that less risk factor because they're all there. Yeah, uh, you know, Riley Green. There's a lot to like there, as you said. A great prep hitter, uh, advanced hit tool. This is a guy that probably, you know, even though he he can play center, I think long term it is going to be a right field profile where he has some above average skills that that are going to fit there. Uh, but again, you know, future plus hit plus power. Uh, again, uh, a risky right prep guy. But I think for me, you know, when I did consider that top three, every single time I looked at Tariq Skubal's stat line, I said, all right, we can't, we we can't. Uh, we can't get, put Green in there and knock Scoobal down. You know, I think Scoobal's obviously done it at a much higher level. And and the, that's no knock on, on Riley Green. That's really just the context of the situation. But I think there's a lot to like there. This is a guy that, as you said, uh, Detroit had been locked in on for a while. And there's a great all-around skill set, uh, polished to him, uh, advanced hit tool. And so I know that they really like him. But in this situation, uh, he was not close to being in that top three for me. With that, Riley Green's just an incredibly advanced hitter just from all the reports, all his history. Uh, there are still some things for him to work on. What is going to be the biggest test for Riley Green here as we move into his first full season? What, what, where does he need to show the most growth potential? Well, I think like a, a lot of other prep bats, I think you, you're, what you're going to want to see is you're going to want to see that power, that raw power, the plus raw power that he has translate on field and not only that but this is a guy that is going to get bigger and stronger and as he does that uh, there's going to become the question of hey is do we allow this guy to play in center field which some Detroit Tigers executives think he can or as he packs on some weight fills out a bit is he going to have to move to right field full-time and that's going to be part of the development I think for him on the defensive side and offensively it really just comes down to like I said I think uh, just having the power translate and continuing to polish up uh, his knowledge of the strike zone, which obviously is going to be tested when he starts to face uh, better breaking stuff as he goes up in the minors. Riley Green is also going to be a top 100 candidate. Uh, I should say a top 100 uh, player. He was in the top 100 last year. The minute he was drafted, he will be in the top 100 to open 2020 as well. Uh, These were the four top 100 guys in the Tigers system. Isaac Prentice has been in the top 100 before, uh, not spoiling whether he's in it or not, but he, he's, he's, in, he's been in discussion for a while. He's, he's been in there before. Got to double A last year. You know, the numbers were still pretty solid, um, but there's a lot of concern about, about his body and just the way it's going. Uh, he's a bigger guy, and, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. What do evaluators see with Isaac Paredes? Because this is interesting. I could see it going a couple ways. One, one of those guys that people are just stuck on the body and missing the fact that, hey, this guy's a really good hitter and he ends up being better than people think he is. 
or he could be one of those guys who just can't keep his weight under, under control and it gets worse over time. And then he doesn't end up doing what people think he should be able to do in the majors. It's two very divergent paths. We've seen a lot of players uh, take each one. Where do evaluators trend on, on which way Paredes is going to go and what his future is? Yeah, there, there's there's mixed opinion about Isaac Paredes. You know, I think, you know, what do you like about him? Well, what you're going to like is the way he controls the strike zone. Uh, he takes very professional at-bats. This is a guy that, uh, you know, has, has above average power. It's clearly a plus hit tool. His feel to hit is fantastic. You know, what does distract you, as you said, is the body. The body is, 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 is close to being uh, so far of a negative that you wonder, hey, is this guy actually going to stick on the left side of the infield? Is he going to have to move across to first base? If he does, uh, you know, there's not many five foot eleven first basemen, I think, in the league right now. I can't really think of anybody. So, and again, you don't know how he exactly is going to play over there. And is he even going to mash enough to play uh, across the diamond? But according to Tigers executives, one thing that they do like about him is that this is a guy that's really intelligent. And he has excellent body control, which should make up for some of the lack of uh, defensive value that he does bring. Uh, they think he can stick at third base. Uh, some evaluators are mixed as to what side of the diamond he's going to play on. But what's clear is, is the hit tool is, is pretty special. Uh, you know, again, I am a bit biased because I've seen him in person. I've seen the way he tracks pitches, the way he can make contact, the way he stays in the net bat. And uh, it's all really advanced, you know. And, and he, again, he's a young kid. I think he's roughly 20, 21 years old. And, uh, you know, so, so those are things that are positives. And he's polarizing. There's no question this is a polarizing prospect. Um, but, again, I think if, if you want to buy into him, you're definitely looking at the hit tool as the reason why. And, you know, I think Detroit's in a position where, hey, if he, come, if he continues to have success in the upper minors, uh, it's, it's pretty feasible that he's going to get a shot next year. I mean, I don't see why not and, uh, and see what he can do and see how he adjusts uh, to pitching up at the, up the upper levels. So. Perhaps the most interesting guy on the Tigers' top 10, to me personally, is Alex Fado. He's kind of my uh, I-just-can't-quit-you kind of guy. <laughs> so I saw Fado pitch for the U.S. Collegiate National Team in 2016. That staff had Kyle Wright. It had Brendan McKay. It had uh, J.B. Bukowskis. Fado was the best pitcher on that staff, period. He was the guy. He was the ace. He was the best player at president. At present, I thought he was going to be the best player in the future. Um, we, he had knee surgery the next year and got off to a little bit of a slow start, but he bounced back and uh, ended up winning most outstanding player uh, during Florida's run to the 2017 College World Series title. When he's been at full health, he's looked really, really, really good. Um, his pro debut, the stuff was down. It wasn't great. And it seemed like people kind of just forgot about him or wrote him off. And then you look at what he did last year in double A. He struck out 134 guys and only walked 25 in 115 innings. He allowed less than a hit in inning. His ERA was a little higher than he'd want it to be. There were some home run problems. But on the whole, this guy very quietly had a really good double A season. I feel like people have kind of written him off and forgotten about him just because he's had moments where the stuff's been down. But I feel like when Alex Fado's right, he's really, really, really good. And last year, we saw a glimpse of that. It just seemed like people almost didn't notice. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you bring up a couple good points. <clears throat> After uh, his College World Series run, this is a guy that struggled to kind of get back his velocity when he came into pro ball. And the Tigers people, I think, shrugged that off. Hey, you know, he's, a, he's coming from the amateur ranks. Uh, guys wear down. He's going to get it back. And I think some of that so some of the mixture of why people have forgot about him, it's part due to the loss of velocity, but it's also part due to 
how the top of the farm system has really shaped up. So you talk about some of these pitchers kind of uh, zooming past him in the rankings. But for me, this is a guy that um, not only has come back with velocity and he now can throw his fastball back into the lower, low 90s. But again, he's always had the the breaking ball, which is above average. So you have two above average pitches. And I think what helps him out and what gives him those numbers, those really strong numbers, is this is a guy that's really aggressive. He's going to attack the strike zone. He does project to have above average control. And I think for those reasons, it's it's not a, it's not uh, fair to just write him off just yet. Uh, he has a big body. I think you can pack innings on there. Uh, you know, this is a guy they're still high on. They still like him. Uh, you know, he can be a starter for them down the road. And I think some of the curiosity is going to be moving forward. How does he develop that changeup? You know, if he can get the changeup to be something like average or flash above average, uh, you know, that, that would bode really well for him. But again, I think just getting that velocity back and his competitiveness on the mound and ability to throw strikes are, are things that Detroit, uh, Detroit executives really like. So, Am I crazy or can you reasonably project him into the long-term Tigers rotation? I, again, I, I just feel like people are underrating this guy. And I obviously in a perfect world, hey, Mai's number one, Manning number two, Scooble number three, Fatal number four. We know that it's not going to work out that way. Guys get hurt. Things go sideways. And again, there's the guys who are already in the majors and sometimes half the battle is getting there first. So not all these guys are going to fit. I do feel like Alex Fado, I, I feel comfortable projecting him into the Tigers rotation four years from now. Am I crazy? No, no, not, not at all. No, I think for me, I think it's uh, at, at the very best, a mid-rotation guy. I think the more likely outcome is probably a 4-5 guy. And as you said, we're kind of playing hypothetical, like let's say all the other guys work out. This guy here, <clears throat> hey, at least at the very least, in my opinion, I like to see when a guy struggles and then he bounces back from it. I think that's something that he can put in his back pocket for later on, you know, and not everything's going to go hunky dory in the professional levels. So with that being said, to say that he bounced back, he had a really nice season. There's some good pitches there. I, I know that they really like the breaking ball. They've always liked his slider and his ability to throw strikes and have a, above average control, I think is, is really impressive. So I think for them and, and even the body six foot five, he's like 230, 240. Uh, you know, that's a guy that for me, I don't see any problems uh, having him at the back end of the rotation. And I think they would agree as well. I feel like looking at this list from the outside, looking in the top six are all guys you can project reaching the majors. Um, and obviously greens far away, but he's such a high upside prospect. The other five all got to double a last year and, and all have a chance to be there next year. It feels like the top six, it, it's a pretty solid top six. I feel like once you get to number seven, you get to some somewhat famous names, but I don't know how good you can feel about all of them. Um, Daz Cameron had a lot of contact issues at AAA last year. It's something that's been an issue for him. Really the bulk of his career with, with a, you know, a short interlude. Franklin Perez hurt again, um, just has not shown any ability to stay healthy. Willie Castro, uh, again, did not do well in the major leagues at all. Uh, has, has generally been seen as like a, eh, he's okay kind of guy. Uh, Jake Rogers, great defender. Not a lot of people believe in the bat. I feel like the top six are guys you can feel pretty good about. Seven to ten, was this the clear seven to ten in this system? Was there debate with these guys? And, and how many of these guys really were bona fide top ten prospects in this system? I think, um, you know, yeah, I think you, you make a good point. Um, you know, the, the line here is really at six. Uh, as you mentioned, Daz Cameron has some tools. He can do a bit of everything. But the issue with Daz is just getting to be more consistent with the contact. And, you know, the – 
uh, Tiger's people, you know, they, they praise his makeup and everything, and I can understand that. But um, the contact woes up at the upper levels in AAA, that's, that's pretty alarming for me, and I think that kind of uh, curtails the type of impact he could potentially have. You know, we were talking earlier about uh, they need to fill some spots, right, in the big league, on the big league staff. Uh, I don't know is there an impact that here for him to be an everyday guy. I just don't know that at this point in time. Um, and, you know, as you go down the list, right, we talk about impressive pitching. Uh, Franklin Perez, the stuff is fantastic. He can barely ever take them out. He's had all sorts of different issues. But again, this would be a guy where, goodness, if anyone on this list needs a built, clean bill of health going into this year, it's definitely Franklin Perez, in my opinion. And look, I know Mize, there's 110%. You could throw Mize into that too. But this guy here, Franklin Perez, uh, you know, they got him in a trade a couple of years ago and uh, just hasn't worked out. You know, it hasn't worked out to this point. He just hasn't been on the mound enough. And, uh, you know, they haven't given up hope on him yet. But if he could take the mound and show that he, he has the, the, the clean health and, and he's ready to go, uh, that would be another pitcher that we could be talking about um, not too far off down the road that could be in, in that top five discussion. Yeah, just uh, to then, uh, put it in perspective, Perez has made nine starts the last two seasons combined. Right. Uh, he had a right. knee injury in 2017, uh, lat issue in 2018, shoulder issues in 2019. Um, it's been a lot of things, you know, back to back to back. And he was in a lot of ways, the top prospect they acquired for Justin Verlander. Uh, we mentioned all three players they acquired for Verlander in that trade are here in the top 10. You have Daz Cameron, you have Franklin Perez, you have Jake Rogers. Um, at the same time, it feels like, and again, there's always guys who exceed expectations. It seems like at this point, based on both the performance track record as well as what scouts are seeing, you know, Cameron being more of an extra outfielder just because, you know, questions about whether he'll hit enough to play every day, even on a second division team. Perez, you just can't, can't really bank on just given the injury issues. Rogers, excellent defender. Um, there's long been a strong sense. He, he can catch at the major league level, but it would probably be as a backup catcher just because a lack of conviction on the offensive ability. So if you're getting two reserves and a guy who just doesn't ever really take the mound enough to, to make an impact, it's also not what you want for Justin Verlander. And it seems like, again, you need depth to, to win at the major league level. So many games are won and lost because, you know, teams bench players aren't good enough. And having guys like Rogers and Cameron potentially on your bench, they can help. But it's not the impact level. It feels like the Tigers need to, to contend realistically any time in the next year or two, you know, once these guys even really get acclimated. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think there's, there's a certain level of disappointment there, you know, again, Franklin Perez, he just, he just hasn't taken the ball enough, you know, plain and simple, uh, you know, Daz Cameron, like I said, I think you questioned the, the impact with the bat and, uh, and Jake Rogers, Jake Rogers, is a guy who he's an excellent defender, great catch and throw guy great makeup uh the bat is really questionable there's probably going to be some pop there but not much else he won't get on base very much uh, this is a guy who's defense first and that's fine but i think the ceiling of that profile is really going to be just a backup catcher and uh so you know while as you said the depth is going to help but um you know i think for detroit they need to their focus needs to be on hey we need to get these uh these uh prime starters and then and then once you go from there you, you can worry about the depth but unfortunately you know, thus far, it's it's uh, it hasn't gone well for them. You know, with that with that Justin Verlander trade, you'd expect uh, more value to be in play for them, but it just hasn't been there. 
Given that most of this group in seven to 10, and again, they're all in the upper levels. A lot of them uh, have major league experience. Rogers got to the majors last year. Castro got to the majors last year. Cameron is close. He should make his major league debut uh, at some point here this year. Was there any consideration for anyone else at the back of this list? And if so, how many guys and who were they? Yeah, so the, there were a couple guys, uh, I would say, uh, two athletic outfielders, Parker Meadows and Roberto Campos. Roberto Campos, uh, they just signed internationally, big power guy, uh, very young, very far away, extremely high risk. Uh, Parker Meadows, an athletic uh, center fielder, really hasn't hit enough, unfortunately, uh, up to this point, you know, that they still believe that the hit tool is coming around, uh, but it's going to take some work, again, very high risk. And the other guy that would have been in consideration was Joey Wentz, uh, a left-hander who they brought over, who uh, has actually done really well since coming over to Detroit. Uh, he's thrown uh, more strikes and he's got some more swinging strikes and missing more bats. And so I think uh, those were kind of the three that I think were, were pushing and knocking on that top 10 door for this list. Joey Wentz is kind of the interesting one to me. Uh, he was the top prospect the Tigers acquired in the trade that sent Shane Green to the Braves last year. He was at one point one of the Braves, you know, top pitching prospects in that group with, you know, Ian Anderson and, and Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson and Kyle Muller, a lot of guys who've ascended to the top 100 at various points. Uh, last year at AA, uh, Mississippi in the Braves system. Really kind of struggled with this control a bit. Uh, walk rate was high. Uh, strikeouts were down. Uh, ERA was up. And, and talking to evaluators, I said, you know, he's just so inconsistent. I don't really know. Got to the Tigers. And again, it was only five starts. You don't want to go crazy. But it was a really, really, really good showing in his Tigers debut. Uh, the numbers, 25 and two-thirds innings, 37 strikeouts and four walks. It seemed like the control issues disappeared in this new system. And again, we have to see it hold up over a longer period of time. But I don't know, he kind of struck me as the guy that might end up, you know, when we look back a few years from now, he might end up in this Tigers rotation if he can stay healthy and, and maybe have a better career than, you know, maybe some of the other position players who, who might end up being more backup types. Yeah, so I, I think the thing with Joey, like you said, um, you know, it's, it is just a, a small sample size, so we can't go crazy just yet. But you know, this is a guy that plays really well uh, up and down the zone, north-south with his fastball, and he can get uh, some swings and misses up in the zone with it. Uh, I think one of the bigger differences for him has just been using the slider more. You know, he's, he's, he's been able to get ahead of guys with Detroit. Uh, he's been able to get ahead of hitters, and then um, he's, he's just been able to use the slider more, which has missed some more bats and allowed him to really get ahead and, and be in good counts. And so I think uh, that's kind of enabled him to, to open up the strike zone and expand it later on when he needs to. And so I think uh, that's kind of been one of the main changes for him since he's come over to the Tigers. Uh, but I know that they're pretty excited about him. And, you know, this is a guy that with a, a good year in, in 2020 uh, could definitely be in, in this top 10, uh, you know, next time we talk. And we'll see if uh, he can do that. Justin, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, before we wrap up here, just, just any final thoughts? And again, I, I want to I make clear, you know, we've talked a little about some of the, the difficulties, you know, facing the Tigers moving ahead. This is still a very good farm system that, that's going to be in the top half of our organization talent rankings. There's a lot of really good pitchers here. You have the number one overall pick coming up that can help add the, help them add a, a position, an impact position player. Um, so, so they're, is the potential for a bright future ahead. And I, I do think that this is a, a system um, that is on the way up, especially as they continue to add more prospects and theoretically make some more uh, veteran for prospect deals. Uh, it's just going to take some time and, and there's still some talent that needs to be added. 
Yeah, um, you know, like like we said, you know, obviously there's there's been uh, uh, noted struggles at the big league level, um, but again, I, th- I think for Detroit, they've they've done a really great job at building a pitching rich foundation, and if you can pitch, you can win. I think they know that. I think that they're going to, you know, continue to focus their efforts on player development as they should and scouting and be aggressive in the draft and be aggressive internationally. And, you know, look, it's, uh, it's painful at the big league level all the same time. uh, You know, I I think there, there's reason to, to have hope and to believe you're a Tigers fan in this, uh, in this system, you know, and and hopefully, uh, you know, some of these guys will will make an impact sooner than later. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, how this rebuild plays out then in the coming years. Absolutely. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight as always. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Justin Coleman, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.